What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can find all your latest news, band interviews, concert reviews, and so much more. I'm John. I'm Dan. And we have with us tonight Alfonso Seville, vocalist for Heartsick. Um, Alfonso has been on the podcast before. Heartsick uh, has been on collectively uh, many years ago, one of the first episodes I've done. Alfonso and I have known each other for... Fuck... 15 years at least <laughs> at least um so with all that being said i've known alfonso and his band for a very long time alfonso and i have worked together in many capacities trying to help each other achieve our dreams in the music industry whether it's doing this podcast whether it's writing whether it's putting on shows whether it's trying to help alfonso get shows you know getting uh, helping him get guests uh, on the last heartsick record and so forth all of that being said, there's there's been some news that was made today uh, revolving the newest Il Nino lineup. What we're going to do is kind of talk a little bit about the last three to four years, I'd say, uh, of Alfonso's life, uh, his ties to Dave Shivari, um, some things that were going to happen, something that Alfonso told me today I had no fucking clue about, and you're going to basically find out Alfonso is the most interesting man in hardcore metal that you haven't become aware of yet. So let's... let's... It's been our secret up to this point. Let's start, I feel like, to, to tell the full story in linear fashion. Let's talk about where, you know, David kind of contacted you to come on as the vocalist for Universal Terror uh, pre the last Heartsick record coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, a while ago, so this is like four years ago or something, maybe five. Um, I've known the guys in El Nino for a really long time. We've been friends there. I, you know, I make no bones about it. El Nino is one of my favorite bands of all time as a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking uh, dude from a Spanish-speaking country who loves metal. El Nino coming out and doing what they did was, like, mind-blowing to me. Them and Puya were, like, just everything to me, you know, uh, especially because it's not something that was, at the time, very prevalent in the Hispanic community. Metal wasn't something that was at the forefront like that. I think those two bands really brought metal to the forefront and said hispanics do this too kind of thing so through playing shows with what people now know as heartsake which used to be called no life which is the same band um we ended up being friends with that whole scene you know bands that came from that scene which was like 40 below summer el nino e-town concrete bands like that so um and knowing those guys and working with them and playing shows uh, I got a call from Dave through our friend Adam, who was a long time ago our manager, and it was like, hey, uh, Dave wants to talk to you. He's going to call you. And I said, cool, whatever, no problem. Um, and initially the way it started was is that he actually 
asked our bass player Waylon to fill in on bass for Terra Universal, and it didn't work out because Waylon just didn't know them well enough. On top of the fact he didn't have the time to commit because it was just at a weird time in his life with his kids and all that other stuff. So from there, I got a call from Dave asking me if I would be interested in trying out for his new band. Um, at the time, it wasn't announced. Nothing was really being said about the band. He was working on it, and it was going to be a band kind of themed like Slipknot with masks and stuff like that. And he asked me to if I would be interested in, in joining the band. Um, of course, my reply was, yeah, because I was interested to see what it would be like. Um, as the conversations developed, um, that would have required me to put a lot less time into hard sick no life. And we had just put out that hard sick record. And I just, I had made it clear that I wanted to be able to focus on both. Um, I think Dave wanted someone who would be able to put more time to Terra Universal. And so ultimately that didn't pan out. I also, you know, like, I'm glad it didn't work out because I obviously love my band and for me, you know, to be really honest, I'm just not someone who can do a project that I'm not passionate about. Um, I liked the music, but the idea of having to wear a mask and be on stage in places like Australian shit where your face feels like it's going to fucking catch on fire any minute. I just wasn't something that I thought I could physically do as well. I thought I would puke and it wasn't something that I think like <laughs> really interested me. I definitely with that conversation gained a whole new respect for Slipknot more than I already had because I don't know how those guys do what they do in a mask. Um, being faced with the reality that I was going to be possibly doing that, that was a quick like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out for me. Um, the music was great. And the band is is awesome. I, you know, I, I got no, you know, no bones about it. But it wasn't something that I think ultimately wasn't something I could be passionate about. So it just didn't work out. You know, <laughs> Dan's like, what? So much information there. Uh, oh, it's gonna get way. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm I'm prepping myself up for it, but uh, yeah, that's just crazy. Anyway, with the Terror Universal stuff, uh, which was a band that. Um, I don't even think I was aware of uh, until until pretty recently, and um, yeah, like I mean, he really, you know, the whole thing. He was he was really adamant about it being like a secret, like he, you know, like when Aru was in the band and stuff. It was like you can't say anything to anybody, blah blah blah. Nobody knows about this. There's no other band doing this kind of stuff besides Slipknot or Mushroom Head. And I was like, cool, whatever, you <laughs> or, know, or Guar, no or, problem. Or Guar, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, I, I don't really know much about that sort of genre of metal. I mean, like. My knowledge of bands who dress up and mask and shit stops at like Mushroom Head and right. I don't Guar like <laughs> those are the you know Slipknot Guar and Mushroom Head. If there's other bands that do it, I fucking I have no idea. Well, when he asked you to, when he asked you to sing for the band, was this just like the beginning stages, or had they yeah. already had you know somebody in there before? No, no, they they were just filling out the band like. They had pretty much had the rest of the band picked out, but they were either trying to find a singer between me and another guy, which they ended up going with the other guy, and, and good for him because he did a great job. But they were still forming their band. They hadn't really made any announcement. There wasn't. They, he, 
you know, they were keeping it very, very, very like secretive. So an interesting question uh, that I have for you, you know, Dave, obviously, you know, if you've listened to him on any of the podcasts that he's been on, uh, X-Men podcast with Doc Coyle being a great one, you know, talking about how Dave also is like a band manager uh, for a lot of bands, his own bands included, um, either to the success or detriment maybe of his career. I don't know. Um, I can't really speak to that. But the thing that was kind of interesting and that I'm kind of wondering is, you know, obviously with you guys, you specifically – and Waylon and, and basically the entity of Heartsick, knowing Dave and the, and the El Nino camp, did Dave ever court you to kind of manage the band and take you guys under his wing and kind of help grow your band, especially with this rebrand that you were going through? No, not really. Like, you know, I mean, here here's the truth, like, about shit like that, like, that no bands want to talk about. Because if you talk about this stuff, then it ruins the mystique. Then you're an <laughs> asshole because... You're, you know, you're giving away the information of the industry. And it's like, I mean, at this point, dude, like, I, I feel like whatever I say doesn't fucking isn't going to put a bigger black fucking stain on my face anyway. I'm blacker than I already am because <laughs> it's like it, it, it doesn't it, it, at this point, it's like everyone has said no to us like 700 times that it's like, fine, fuck you, whatever. We're just going to do whatever we're going to do. And if somebody likes it, great. And I, I want generally someone to give my band a fair share and, and just give us a chance because I really feel that we are worth that and I really feel that we are doing something that not a lot of other bands are doing but you know I'm not going to do it at the cost of not being myself or my band not being itself you know and and the reality is had we been approached by Dave or management companies before well yeah but the reality is is I get it these people want to make money, so they want to charge you money. And the amount of money that was being talked about in order for, you know, in this particular instance to answer your question, what Dave wanted was not a realistic amount for us because we don't have people backing us. There's a lot of bands that do that have people backing them and they don't want to admit it. And whatever, that's 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 on them and I guess you have to live up that mystique of pretending like you don't have somebody giving you money if you're fucked, but whatever, I, you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, the reality is, is that we didn't have that kind of money and, and, and that amount of money was pretty intense. And when he did offer, you know, hey, do you want to try out for um, Terra Universal and stuff, you know, I did make the comment about Heartsick and he's like, well, you know, we'd have to talk about money and, you know, how this would go. And it's just something we didn't have. And I get it, you know, when, when you're in a position like that, when you do have that many connections, the, you obviously want to get paid for whatever work you do. I'm of the belief that if you do believe in a band and maybe this is old school and maybe that's not how it works anymore and that's okay too, but I'm of the belief that if a manager, if somebody who wants to manage you believes in you, paying them up front doesn't really make any sense because they haven't done any work. Where is the where's the incentive to do work if they already got all your money? Like, what's the point in that? And then number two, they're obviously not that interested in you because they just want your money. Like that, that's kind of what revolves in my head. I'm not saying that's the way it is, but definitely I think that should tie into it somehow. So anytime we've ever been offered something like that, 
and it's money up front. We did it once. It didn't work out. I didn't like the result because there was no incentive. We paid a lot of money to someone when we were no life who basically contacted us every month asking for their $200. And it was like, great, here we go. We're being taken advantage of. And it happens a lot. So when we had that conversation with Dave, a number was given. That number was very unrealistic for, for no life at the time and heart sick. And we were like, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, it's a little superficial anyway. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's almost like trying to buy likes on Facebook. Or there are people out there that have legitimate connections and they can do a lot for your band. But, but you have to pay us, you know, yada, 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 yada. And in my experience, I've just found that making the best content that you can, or in your case, the best music that you can, is really just going to be a slow grind for you. Yeah, and, 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 and that's the sad reality. It's like, you know, there's a lot of bands out there that are super fucking awesome and talented, whether it be in metal or pop or whatever else, but they don't have the money that these other bands do and they're throwing all the videos and stuff like that. Let's be honest, man. Like, I you, again, I don't fucking care who, who listens to this and gets fucking pissed off at me and wants to, you know, shit on my face or whatever it is that they're going to do, you know, but let's... Let's be really fucking honest. The bands that are making things happen for them have really good content, but they have a lot of fucking money. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are, but how a band gets 25, 30,000, 100, 150,000 plays that are virtually nobody on YouTube, they've invested some money in that. That's neither wrong nor right. That has nothing to do with it. They just have enough to invest in their thing. They may not be... You know, they may not be writing the best whatever, but they obviously have the capital and that's okay. We're not that kind of band and that's okay too. Like you said, unfortunately, it's going to be a slow grind, yep. you know, but I, I want to believe and some days I feel very defeated on this belief, but I want to believe that there's still a place for honesty and real emotion and feeling and talent in songwriting above how much money someone's going to pay to get their shit seen. But maybe I'm wrong, you know? So in kind of keeping the story and the, the timeline going, um, so basically Heartsick puts out your, your record, the first under Heartsick after the name change. Um, yep. Kind of tying it a little bit to this podcast because through some of the people that I've been, Dan and I have been able to talk to, um, you know, you've kind of, you know, I'll point you to some of the podcasts I'm listening to with, you know, Mike Mike Mowry of Outer Loop Management or Blasco, uh, much to the point of actually sending you to say, like, yo, you should hit up Blasco and see what's going on, because it was also around that same time that, was it Mike Yitter that had hit you up? I hit up Monty Connor, okay. yeah. So, Monty Connor, real quick for anyone who may not be aware who he is, basically was the A&R person for Roadrunner who... Signed everybody that made Runner Runner huge uh, in the mid '90s, 2000s, yep. and on. So all that being said, yep. uh, Heartsick basically, as you heard Alfonso kind of telling the story about how there were opportunities for him to kind of fast track some success, possibly, but foregoing the band that basically he had built from the ground up. You know, his his college band. So basically, uh, without mentioning any of the labels or necessarily all the players involved, um, we got a lot of interesting feedback from professional professionals in the industry um basically saying that the content was good um there are a few things that just needed to change numbers you know facebook numbers and so forth needed to be better views on youtube um now around this time alfonso lets me in on a little bit of a secret um that dave has come back 
now basically talking about having you come on to replace Christian in El Nino. I'll let you go ahead and tell this because it's your story to tell, not mine. So what's going on at this point with with your relationship with Dave and, and going on with El Nino? Um, I am friends with all those guys. I don't, I don't have a single gripe with any of them. Diego, Christian, Carlos, uh, you know, Dave, any of those guys, Daniel, Laz, like all of my friends, like I hung out. We just recently went to see Laz at his studio at Sound Wars, hung out, you know, so there's nothing here where I'm like, fuck those guys because no way, not at all. Um, however, the fact that like you just saw a new announcement about El Nino and stuff like that, it's crazy to me because there's so much to it that goes behind that, that it's just like, wow, what's going on? And now that it's out there, I, I don't think there's any legal well, realm where this is. Let me cut you off right there. Just in the event that anyone. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell the whole story, dude. I, I'm going to just okay. fucking put it out. Cause okay. there's no, cause now that the story's out in the sense of like the band is out there, the new lineup, then whatever legalities are going on, obviously we're throwing out the fucking window. You know okay. what I'm saying? And Christian and Diego, Laz, and all those guys are my boys, and I want to stand behind them. But pretty, you know, long story short, I'm at work. I get a call from Dave, uh, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm at work. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, would you be interested in trying out for El Nino? And I was kind of like, What? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I mean, yeah, you're like my favorite fucking band. Like you're one of my fucking favorite bands ever. You know, like, are you fucking serious? Hell yes. Of course I want to, but I will try out with the condition that you are okay with me using Heartsick to push Heartsick and using this to push Heartsick and that I'm not quitting Heartsick and you're going to have to work around my schedule with Heartsick. No, yeah, that's cool. No problem. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. He says i'll call you later to talk more about it calls me again a few months later he's telling me how you know like they're waiting to get this new record deal going that they have or whatever and that the band's kind of dragging out how the record deal is going to go and he really wants to move on this record deal and i said okay you know he's like i'll give you a call when it's all sorted out but if they're not done by if they're not made a decision by this certain time whatever i'm moving forward with the new lineup and i said okay cool you get another call again a month or something later and he's like all right man you know i'm just gonna go ahead and do with this you know legally i've been talking to chris and the rest of the band and they're all aware about all of this stuff you know but you can't say anything about this because you're still working on the paperwork and if the lawyers find out then that screws everything up so don't tell anybody but we're gonna go ahead and move with this are you available on these dates to come shoot a video uh, and play a show. And I said, yeah, sure. The first show was going to be like, basically like not fast, but not, not fast in Mexico. Like they're doing some other sort of show or whatever. That was kind of along those lines. And I was like, yeah, no problem. These are the shows that I have with Heartsick, and there's nothing around that time. So yeah, we'll do it. Cool. Then I get like a message on, on Facebook of like the song that they were working on that had like vocals that they had like recorded just to show me what sample of it and the song it was sick bro it was like old El Nino and I was like 
fuck yeah, you know. So this whole time I'm like, okay, cool, you know, like these guys know what's going on. They're obviously trying to move forward and everybody knows the deal. And I was like, okay, fine, you know. But all this time he's like, he was like, no, I'm good to sing the singer, we're good, blah, blah, blah. Just don't tell anybody. You can't talk to anybody about this. Okay, fine, you know. And like one day, like I just, I don't know. I just felt like something was, I don't know. I just, it just felt like too good to be true because that <laughs> is the life story that I have, especially with anything to do with heartsick. It's always like, I'm like, when is the floor going to drop from under me? Like I'm always prepared to be like, all right, whatever. And I remember talking to you and I was just like, yeah, whatever, man. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, like I know I was like, I'm not going to believe it until it happens. And just, I get getting these phone calls. So I was like, okay, cool. And then I get a phone call from a buddy of mine and he's like, Christian knows. And I was like, knows what? He's like, <laughs> about your, you trying out for El Nino. And I was like, yeah, he's supposed to know, isn't he? And he's like, no, nobody knows what's going on. And they're fucking livid. And I was like, uh shit you know so i get a text from from kristen who by the way is the nicest fucking human being ever and i get a text from diego the guitar player and he's like yo you know i've you know i heard through the grapevine that dave asked you to be the new singer of el nino and i was like yeah dude like i hope you're not pissed like he told me that you guys were talking about this stuff and you had, you know, you were getting the paperwork ready. He's like, Alfonso, both of them were like, Alfonso, I fucking love you. I love Heartsick. I get your whole point in this. I want you to know that I'm not mad at all, but I want you to know that what's been told to you is not what's really happening. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And it turned out that, you know, they hadn't figured it all out, from my understanding. They hadn't figured it all out, and there's some legalities that they're dealing with, and those legalities were not discussed with me. And in that situation, they were trying to be as amicable as possible in the situation and work things out to where everyone would be happy. And I said, yo, like, I don't want to fuck anything up for anybody. So I had to sign, like, paperwork about some shit that's going on with them. And, like, I had to talk to Dave and I had to talk to Chris. And it was, like, this big thing that sort of kind of, like, happened. And now I thought that they weren't going to, you know, do this new band with the new lineup thing. But <laughs> I mean, clearly that is not the case. I don't know what the legal ramifications of all of this are for both parties, but I will say that it was definitely a surprise to me, like super surprised. And I can't imagine it's without its very complicated legal situation now you know but they asked me to do it and i said yeah under the pretenses that i thought everything was cool you know but once i found out that things weren't what they were i was like eh, 
eh, I'm stepping out of this, you know, like, because realistically, man, my relationship with them as people and as friends is far more important than trying to be some fucking rock star that, that I don't, I don't care about, you know, like I want my band to make it the way that I want us to make it and the way that we collectively want to make it. I don't, I'm not trying to fucking whatever, man, like whatever legal shit is going on with them, dude is not in any way on me, but it is not figured out. I, I definitely 100% I'm almost positive about that. <laughs> oh, wow. I know John's known about some of the stuff, but like for me, it's all like hitting me like fireworks. Um, something that, you know, as far as the story goes, I was wondering now he had asked you if you wanted to try out for the band. Did you actually go out and try out? No, I, I never got to. Um, what ended up happening there was, I think that in between all of that, they were having whatever legal discussions are had between band members who are proprietors of the name and whatever else, right. which I don't know who owns the band name. I don't know. I don't know any of that. I really don't. Um, but I never got to that point because I got contacted by Christian by that time. And I was very honest with him and I, you know, I made sure that I put it all on the table. And I think that fortunately or unfortunately hindered whatever progress there was for me on it. But I have no regrets. I have no like sadness about that because I have my friends and I have my relationship with them. And that to me is way more important than anything else. Like whatever the new project is that they're working on, you know, I wish them the best of luck and there's no hard feelings there. But my side of the story is a hundred percent what I'm saying. And I'm not lying about this, but I did not want to jeopardize my relationship with people at someone else's costs. Like people in the music industry seem to have that capacity and a lot of people. I don't want to be one of those people at all, you know? Yeah. One of the weird things is I just, um, whenever they posted that new song with the, with the new lineup and everything, um, one of the things that struck me as very strange was the press release that was put out for it, where at the very bottom of it, I mean, it's like the normal stuff. Like sometimes people grow apart and sometimes, you know, being in a band's like being married. And then at the very bottom of it, it says, we ask everybody that you please respect our privacy as we all move forward in our careers. And I thought that that line was weird um, for a press release. And so it I kinda, mean, reinforces what you're saying about the amount of secrecy that was kind of going on there let's i mean let's cut the bullshit man the reason why they said that is because not everything is what it seems dude i mean like right. again these are things that people don't want to fucking talk about because it's going to make someone look like an asshole and it's going to make people look bad but the reality is is that like someone isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing you know what i'm saying and obviously someone needs to 
cross their, you know, T's and dot their I's. And, like, they're saying that because we can all pretty much as human beings logically think about why would you put something like that? Right. Because not the whole the whole story isn't being told and nobody's going to tell the whole story not you know because it's it's very convoluted it's it's very much a he said she said kind of thing because you're in a band you know but i can tell you that like you know that guys like Kristen and diego and aru are definitely not being assholes about anything those i mean dude like the, the amount of like kindness and and patience those guys have is is beyond me you know like i i can't tell you that as far as the band cohesiveness goes between most of the band members those guys are all cool really cool people but clearly like i don't think that the band the way that that it was announced is is definitely catered to being palatable for people <laughs> I'll yeah. put it that way. I think something that kind of jumped out to me is the fact that throughout everything that Dave's done with both bands, and even if you go back and listen to, like the, I said, that podcast that he did with Doc, if you go back and listen to it, Dave seems very his way or the highway. And it seems like a lot of stuff he does seems to be so rooted in, in secrecy and I've always I've always thought like those things about it like with Terry Universe like oh don't don't talk about this blah 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 and it's like you know a lot of times when like when like we'll use Doc as an example I think that's a good thing and it'll be a good segue in a couple of minutes um you know Doc goes god forbid's done starts up Vegas Nerve starts doing you know metal or metal or however you say that that drummer lady's name and he Bantal, every yeah, I mean. yeah so everything that he got involved in as soon as he started putting his hands in it and getting involved in it, he was telling you about it. He was proud of it. He didn't know where it yeah. was going to go, but he, as a musician and as a creative person, was so excited about it and being creative with other people and wanting people to hear it. And I'm not saying Dave doesn't do that, but everything that I've kind of noticed is it always seems like everything's so secretive. And to me, that just leans more to being kind of shady, shady doings. Like you're doing something and it has to be secretive so somebody else doesn't know that they're getting fucked over. That's how I take it. I mean, you know, like, I, you know, what I know about Dave as a human being, um, Dave is very old school um, when it comes to his, his bands. Um, Dave is very much the creative control and and the projects from from my understanding is that true I, I don't know but from what i've picked up he's very much what would be the band leader it seems right at least in terry universal for sure terry universal is definitely his baby and and all that and Ohino, he seems to be the guy who has very much helped build that band to where it's at and connections and stuff so i think that dave finds a value and some of that like let's let's cautiously play this out and like let's build up the hype blah 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 so maybe there's a different method there i'm not sure but i mean yeah like you know for this particular situation i mean i there's there's definitely a reason why it was very uh, very like surprise you yeah know, like so, but yeah, no, I mean, 
yeah, dude, you know, I think everybody has their own methods and, you know, someone like Doc, I think Doc is very well connected in today's society, how things move quickly, you know, and he has his podcast and he has his bands that he still does and top bad wolves. And I think that he realizes the value in sharing a lot. And I think he's even said like, oh, I overshare, which I don't think he does. I think the guy is fucking amazing and brilliant. But, you know, Dave is very much on the other spectrum of there's a lot of people out there who still want to be very secretive about things. Um, Does that come across as shady or as, you know, different intents? I could see how people say that, yeah. Something that was interesting, and I'll have Dan speak to this, was the new song and how it was released. Why don't you talk about that real quick, Dan? What did you find? Well, on Spotify, um, there's the main there's the main Il Nino uh, artist page, you know, and that new song's nowhere to be found there. But if you search for Il Nino without any type of like punctuation, like the accent on on Nino, the the if it just if it just says straight Il Nino, then the new song comes up. So it's like I'm wondering, oh, you so you remove the punctuation and it's a new band kind of gives us a little bit of hint as to the legality issues. It could just be a completely innocent mistake. But as far as I know, with Spotify, if you're an artist and maybe you could speak to this, but don't you just log into a page and upload your new track and that's it. Um, You can Spotify does have that, that, uh, that ability. What a band of El Nino's caliber who's proven millions of sales and has management and a label, how they do stuff no idea yeah. <laughs> uh, um could there could there possibly be like an issue on legality so they took out the enya which is that n yeah maybe um or maybe just how spotify's like algorithm picks it up i have no fucking clue how yeah. big and bands with management and all that shit doing that shit for them does those things i <laughs> not, <laughs> well it just us, seems to me that if they had a team that yeah, this yeah. is not something that would have happened. Like, it would have been like, uploaded yeah. to the main Il Nino. They have um, a team. You know? Yeah. I mean, for, for artists like us, yes, you can just go straight to Spotify and be like, here's a song. You know, it's like MySpace. Just throw it down. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, kind of shifting gears, you know, now that we're we're done on the Il Nino thing. Because, uh, like I said, there was – between your, myself, like, I saw the news and I was almost like, oh, here it is. Oh, wait, no, never mind. So then I hit you up, and then you tell me this crazy story, and I'm like, holy fuck. Um, the thing is, the thing, dude, the thing is, is I was just as surprised as you, bro, because <laughs> the conversation that I had and what I had to legally bind, legally bind myself to wasn't something that it was supposed to happen. You know what I'm saying? So, like, fucking, I'm just like everybody else. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, wow, okay, like, this is crazy, you know? So, in all of that, though, you end up telling me something I didn't even fucking know, and I was just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, are you, like, the most well-connected, most interesting man in hardcore that we just don't know? So you tell me, and it'll be at the front of the episode, I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna play the episode into, apparently you were gonna maybe replace Tommy Vexed once he left Westfield Massacre? Question marks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's a that's an interesting story. Um, you think so? 
Yeah. Tommy's fucking awesome. Like, please make sure that those words make it onto the episode because he is the coolest motherfucker, dude. That dude is awesome. And Steven, who is the guitar player for Westfield Massacre, super cool dude. The way that all came about was we played Dirt Fest a few years ago. I think it was like, I don't know, the last Dirt Fest they did. Yep. Westfield Massacre played that. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Tommy Vex fan. I've been a big fan of all his work from what he did with Snot and what he did with Vaxxed and what he did with Dino and all that shit. So I was a real big fan of his. He just ended up catching our set at Dirt Fest. He really liked us. I gave him a CD a couple of days later. I get a fucking message on my Facebook, like, come play a show with us in Illinois. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Day in our fucking van, went down and played a show in Illinois. Um, became friends with Tommy. Fucking awesome doing what he's doing now. And... I don't know what happened in the band. I think like it was announced that he, like, he was leaving or something. I don't know. But before that, yeah. So Tommy asked you to fill in for a tour that they were doing. I said, yeah, sh- cool. No problem, man. Just give me the information. And then I think that's when like Westfield Massacre started having to record a new record or something. I don't know. But long story short, they announced that Tommy's leaving. And Steven, the guitar player, was like reached out to me because we'd become friends. And he's like, hey, man you know, would you possibly be interested in trying out for the band? We're looking at a few people and your name came up and, you know, I think you would be a good fit. There's other guys trying out too, but, you know, would you be willing to try out on a track? And I said, yeah, dude, no problem. And again, I was like, as long as you're cool with me being in Heartsick and Heartsick being my priority, no problem. I'll try out regardless. So he sent me a song, which is fucking killer. And I put some vocals in it. I sent it to him. Uh, I think they decided to go with someone else because they wanted to, I think, do a little bit more of more singing than screaming now, I think is what they're doing. Yep. So they went with the other guys with, that's in the other band now, which is cool. I mean, I think it's great still. I'm just, I really like metal and I want to be in a metal band. And my approach to a lot of things is screaming a lot, especially if it's aggressive music. So I think that that was like the deciding factor. I think they they wanted to go a little bit more on the melodic singing, right? So, but yeah, no, I got asked and it was cool and Tommy was cool and Steven was cool. And that was just kind of like a thing that came out of nowhere, you know, so. You're gearing up to put out the new Heartsick record. It comes out in two weeks, three weeks. Yep, February 1st. So... It comes out on our CD release. So my question is, you know, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know the Westfield Massacre tie-in and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, with you booking shows over the last handful of years and, you know, kind of advantageously putting yourself, your band, into positions for being direct support on, you know, shows uh, for nationally touring bands and such and trying to get your name and your brand out there, and in the last, I'd say, year and a half of, you know, having people like Blasco and Monty Connor and having friends like Tommy Vext and, and having a lot of these people who have made a name for themselves and, and are succeeding and have had long success in the music industry, what has all of this taught you when you've been so close to being able to achieve something that you've been working so long to get to that level that you're trying to get to you know i think what it's taught me you know in a positive aspect it's taught me that these people still do care about talent and still do care about good music and they are human beings and they're actually reachable (laughs) because if you would have told 14 year old me that i would have been you know like having conversations and becoming 
you know, like online friends with Monty Connor, I would have fucking punched you in the face and been like, shut up, you're a liar. Um, <laughs> but it's happened and he is an amazing human being and one of the very few people in the music industry that is just like genuine. He's like super genuine. Like he's like a fucking cool dude. Same with Blasco, man. I mean, it was like, I emailed Blasco like out of the blue and the guy like emailed me back and it, you know, we've, we've had conversations and stuff and it's taught me that those guys are very willing and very much reachable and, and they will tell you the honest to God truth and they are no bullshitters. You know, I think what it's also taught me is that just because you have friends in high places does not make it so that you're just going to fucking suddenly become famous for the next big thing. That's not really how it works at the same time. I've never asked those guys for a single fucking thing. I've asked them to just be honest about my band and be honest about my music. And that was it. I've never emailed Monty at all and said, Hey Monty, like get us a record deal, man. Like we're cool now, you know, like, no, I've, I've emailed them and be like, please listen to my record and tell me what you think about my band. And he's like, this is what I think. Same with Blasco, you know, like, so just because you have those connections doesn't mean that you're going to like suddenly forego all the other hard work and get to this place. That's not how it works. Those people really are the real deal and it takes a lot of work and it's taught me, it's, it's, it's taught me that it's still going to be as much work as ever. Probably I think now it's more work than it was before because now as a musician, I mean, you got to know everything, dude, you guys, you guys know you're, you're doing a podcast. Like nobody taught you how to do your podcast. Like you probably had to watch YouTube videos and fucking learn by, you know, like, trial and error you know and even in your route where you're learning that like some people are snakes in the grass and some people just want to use you for your connections yeah. and some people are saying they'll give you a favor and they don't actually return it and you got to know how to do photoshop and you got to know how to do you know iMovie and like it's crazy dude it's i think it's harder now than ever yeah i mean to to speak to the hard work side of it you know what <laughs> other what what job can you work where you show up and because you know the manager you're suddenly you know vice president of the company you know what i mean yeah. and but i feel like a lot of people think that especially in music and entertainment that that's actually some kind of realistic avenue to take you know <laughs> in in order to become famous and i think it works for some people but for how long yeah like you know a couple months maybe yeah. a year or two exactly you have people that are like oh i know this person and that person and it's like None of that shit matters, man. I mean, my relationships with those people are very much business. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I call Blasco every day and like, what up, bro? Like, that's not how it is. <laughs> Same with Monty. Like, that's not how it works at all. Like, I, I, they are inspirations and they have knowledge that I can directly grab from. And I reach out to them when I need that knowledge. But I also respect their space, their time and their privacy. And I'm not trying to be the guy that's trying to fucking hang off their nuts and get them to like me just so that they like my band. I want them to like me and my band because we're good and we're nice people and because we're worth their time. And that's it, you know? I think that's respectable, dude. I mean, not to be cheesy or anything, but there's so many people out there that are just out for themselves and out for what what they can pull out of everybody else. And I mean, and get the, looking at the opportunities that you've had just in the past few years, how easy it would have been to ditch your band 
you know, and go for a, go, you know, go for the stars, so to speak. I mean, obviously now, knowing what you know now, that probably wouldn't have worked well for you. If you were that kind of person, if you had that hard wired into you from the beginning, that like, I'm just going to do whatever I got to do to get big, dude, you'd be out on the street right now. I don't want people to just hand me something and I don't want to just have a connection who's just going to do something for me. I want them to first and foremost like what we do and like us as people. And then I want them to hopefully like it enough to say, I'm going to take a chance on you. And all the opportunities that I have been offered with El Nino, with Terry Universal, with Westfield Massacre, I, in my mind, those were opportunities to help put my band on a platform as well. I've never wanted to quit my band. I've never wanted to take the easy road with my band. I love my band. I think my band is just as deserving as any other band. I don't think we're any better or any worse than any other band, but I sure as shit think that my band is absolutely 100% fucking talented and we have something worthwhile and someone's gonna see that and they're gonna fucking believe in us. It's just taking time. And if that means I have to turn down these things or they don't work out, that's okay. I don't have any regrets whatsoever at all because clearly, <laughs> clearly they would have worked out very differently, you know? So right, right. I, I'm happy with my decisions, man. And like, I have no regrets about those things at all. I'm, I'm honored that I've been thought of in that way by people, but I love my band, man. And I love what we're doing. And I believe a hundred percent in what we're doing. Speaking to believing in what you're doing, <laughs> I want to play a new song off of the record you know if there are people presumably this is gonna probably make a lot of news uh i'm assuming um just in light of a lot of the comments dan has shown me uh from the various news sites that were running the new nino lineup uh information press release and so forth so you know we played uh the westfield massacre demo in the beginning just to you know i want to prove that you know it's easy to sit there and go say like oh I, i did these things but to actually literally have proof it backs up everything you're saying so you're not a fucking liar. But with that being said, you know, I know you've been talking about how this is the best record that you guys have done ever, you know, 15 some odd years into your band's career. So what would you like me to play at the end of the episode and kind of talk a little bit about that and then obviously plug uh, plug yourself, this band socials and, and all that kind of stuff and where can people find you guys? Um, so the song that I want to have on the show is going to be actually a new song. We're actually releasing this song with, and I'll say it, with a video um, in about a week. We've been teasing it for a little bit, but the song is called Methylene Blue. And it's off of the new record. That record is called Sleep Cycles. And the song is basically about um, the embodiment of like death like what death is but i came up with the concept because i'm a really big fan of uh bill and ted's an adventure or whatever journey like those two and for me just the idea of like how death was like this kind of goofball in there but yeah. still like this like deity that's responsible for getting you across to the other side so the song was born of that lyrically so it's it's a little bit different like we just released one song that's called love letter and that's more like of a ballad this is kind of in between like heavy and still kind of like a ballad song so that's definitely the one i want to choose because we're about to come out with it on spotify 
and have a video for it. And I think it's just a really cool song. And I just really love the hook. I think we did a really good job on it. <laughs> and uh, where can everyone find the band or yourself online? Um, you can find me personally. You can find me on Instagram just by my name, Alfonso Civilli, uh, which I'm sure... If this makes the news, I will probably have death threats of some sort from some sort of legal entity, but I don't care anyway, so you can fuck off. Um, <laughs> but you can find me at Instagram at Alfonso Civilli. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, Alfonso Civilli, my name. You can find me on Facebook, Alfonso Civilli. The band, you can find at Heartsick Band anything. So, like, just look up Heartsick Band on Facebook, Instagram whatever socials you like to use and you will find us there Bandcamp, reverb nation snapchat what the fuck ever like heartsick band and you'll find us and speaking of plugging socials uh we are going to wrap up this episode if you would like to keep up with metal nexus you can go to metalnexus.net for all your band reviews band interviews album reviews just a slew of other shit uh they actually just premiered uh the heartsick video a couple of weeks ago for love letter uh, so go check them out. Go to metalnexus.net. You can find them on Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. Dan, where can people find you? Oh, man, you can find me all over the internet, man. Uh, I'm on, what, discussmetal.com. I'm on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I'm on Twitter under Discuss Metal Dan. You can send me an email if you want to at uh, discussmetaldan at gmail.com. And uh, so, I mean, really, at this point, if you can't find me on the Internet, you're not looking hard enough and it's your fault. <laughs> and if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can get some of their delicious coffee over at TheBeanBastard.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us on Facebook under Brutally Speaking. Twitter and Instagram are simply BrewSpeakPod. And if you would like to email the show, you can email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. And we're going to play it out to Methylene Blue. So check out this song. Pre-order the new Heartsick record. The record comes out February 1st. Uh, show those guys a lot of support when this record drops. Stream it. However you do it. Share it. Let everyone know. Because apparently, Alfonso is the real deal behind the scenes. So let's uh, let's help get this band where it should have been and where it rightfully deserves to be. <laughs>